So this one is funny because this is my first on a nailed whiff spectrum, squarely in the middle. Because got a nailer whiff. That's it's the thing a, is, it's supposed it's a to nailer whiff, man. But oh, is it, oh, wait a minute. Is this like a like when you're hitting, you're putting the nail in, and you do hit the nail, but you also hit you yourself bend with it. the thumb? Yeah, or you, you bend, bend the it. nail, you know, kind oh, of yeah, a thing. Okay, like because you hit it, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 434 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the web programmer. I'm Sam and I'm the artist. Are you stumbling? Are you... He's not sure. I was trying to figure out what I do on the web, you know, because like, do I develop it? Do I spin it? Do I get caught in it. There's just so mm-hmm. many things that can happen in a web. And I just, for a second, I was like, which one of those? Which one of the many? Yeah. Do you think the people who actually develop the web are upset that, that they aren't referred to as web developers? Well, that's the, thing about, <laughs> that's the thing about web developers is that the, the range of things that they do is so wide. Cause you could be like, you could be like operating on the guts of the internet, you know, or you could be like making a little animated guy jump around on a web page, you know, yep. like this is just the whole, I mean, there's a whole argument about like, what's a game developer? Is QA a game developer? Or is, you know, whatever. It's like, yeah, yes. just, it's the whole fucking, <laughs> there's a million jobs that go into If your whole job is making Rakehast shadows, are you a game developer? Yeah. No, it's a, yes. You know? Yeah. You could tell me it's fancier than, I don't know, anything well, else. Well, it depends. Man. Are we raycasting a shadow uh, in a, like a, just an architectural VR simulation? That's true. Because yeah. if so, then absolutely not. Now you're you know? an architect. Right. But if you put a gun in there, now it's a game. So now you're good to go. Facts, yeah, so. if you, right. If you use Unreal to do anything, yep. I think you're probably a game developer at that point. Welcome. Yeah. And if not, again, just put a gun in it and now it's a game and you're good cool. to go. Problem solved. Uh, also, there's going to be swearing on this show. There already has been, but there's going to be more. Was so there? I was little, trying not to because I knew the warning yeah, had happened. Uh, you know, there's going to be casual light profanity, but that's We're okay. Just, I mean, just I know the there will of be. the profane. But was, there will be. Was there, there already? Yeah, there, there was, but no. that's okay. <laughs> if people have been listening uh, this long, there's a pretty good chance they know what they're getting into. You know? yep. And if you're a first-time listener, hey, welcome. Sorry about that. Uh, don't worry about it. Let's keep going. Yep. All right, here we go. Also, today is September 22, 2023. And we'd like to uh, thank our recurring supporters over at uh, moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thanks so much for your monthly donations. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we got a bunch of stuff to talk about today. Let's go. Well, all right. So first, some d- surprising non-news. Mm-hmm. Last week, we talked the whole time about Unity and what they were doing with this absolutely atrocious uh, price thing. Just the most impressive bad business move we've, I think, ever seen. Ever mm-hmm. seen, really. Um, and so it was so bad that, you know, we thought that by the time this episode Will would have like that episode would have aired, which was on Wednesday of the following week, so several business days later. Surely, sure, the backlash over the weekend and over the week and everything would have prompted a a backtracking or a you know a full retraction of the the policy uh, that they had come up with, and it is there has been absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sorry, sorry, it's not nothing. There's been two things. Yeah, there's been first thing was a public statement where Unity did not apologize for what they did. Uh, they apolog- they quote, apologized for creating confusion and angst. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. among game developers. So again, like nobody was confused. Yep. For just to want to point that out, we all know exactly what is happening here. We were there angsty, is though. there That's is fair. angst uh, yeah. because you know everybody's worried that they're screwed, right? Um, but though angst was, feels like a very low level description of what we're talking about. Yeah, here. it's it's very much a I'm sorry. If what I said offended you, yeah, as yeah. opposed to, I'm sorry I said that thing. That was a dumb, bad thing to say. I won't do it again. That's a real apology. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not the, I'm sorry that you felt the way that you felt, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is the apology that we got from uh, from Unity. So no visible policy changes. On Monday this week, there was a, a leak of an internal meeting that they had where they were discussing uh, capping the per install fee at 4% of the of a company's annual revenue, which at that point, it's literally just a revenue share. So mm-hmm. just with extra steps, you know, with well, a lot of extra steps. I think what they're uh, trying to do here, and I can't remember if we talked about this last week or not, but it looks like what they're trying to do is they're saying we want a percentage of revenue. But getting that information is really human costly because you have to like interact with their company. There's a bureaucratic you know process where you have to figure out like you have to have mm-hmm. lots of legal stuff involved and you have to have the ability to look into other companies' books and you have to be able to know if they are actually telling you the truth and all it's it's actually That's extremely expensive. It's like it's like collecting taxes, right? There's a yep. reason the IRS is an expensive operation because it's just really expensive to to use this kind of a mechanism, a revenue share mm-hmm. mechanism, right? Because taxes are also revenue share, right? So it's just expensive to do it. And so they're like, we want this to be automatic. What's the oh, what's the one thing, the exactly one automatable thing we can do, right? Which is have our have every single game that goes out phone home. We mm-hmm. can do that, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's this number we can get, the so only number we put can a, get without let's involving just attach people. a bill to that. Yeah, so let's know? just put a put a bill on it. And so my guess is that they're trying to avoid at all at all ways that they can having to actually involve people in this which, revenue collection mechanism, right? Which is crazy because Unity as a company has 7,700 employees. Yeah, which I don't know is what they're an, all doing. It's weird. It's an alarmingly huge number. Uh, I think, so when Unity first appeared uh, back in like the mid 2000s, they they had the engine and then they had, they made a game as well with the engine as a proof of concept. And they had, I believe something like 12 to 15 people on the team. Um, and they they expanded over the next, you know, decade or so. And they, you know, they, they grew up to, you know, like a, a couple hundred people. And then they started like acquiring other companies and like acquiring advertising companies and all this stuff. And the, the personnel roster just like ballooned out of control. Well, then they went, I think, I think then it's they like, went public and they had to, you know, had to show growth for growth's sake. So they just kept on. You just keep on doing keep on stuff. Doing um, yeah. And so it's been this weird thing where like as the company's gotten bigger, their burn rate is getting higher and higher and all of the engine features for the past like probably seven years <laughs> have largely been not slow. very good yeah. and and most of the updates have actually just been about unity as a company trying to find ways to get more money from developers because the company's sinking because their expenses have ballooned out of control mm-hmm. and that's not even not even going into the 150 whatever million dollars they pay to their executives mm-hmm. every year right uh, so the whole thing is just like a a lesson in bad management. Um, and so so again, a non-apology on Monday, some kind of weird 
internal meeting leak. And then the only other thing that's happened is I think it was uh, Thursday morning this week. They took down the, the fact that they had about the pricing change, which had answered, you know, it answered people's questions about the pricing change, but it just confirmed everyone's fears is what the fact was doing, right? They took down that page and then they replaced it with a single sentence, which basically said like, Hey, we're sorry. We're we'll, we're trying to do better. We will have some updates on. <laughs> we'll have some updates on the per install fee structure, uh, like coming soon, right? So there wasn't really an indication that they're gonna Not undo dude. this decision, yes. um, which is really what you're looking for. You could you could say like, oh, we're we recognize this is bad, and we're gonna figure out something else. But that's not what's happening with their. So far, it just seems they're being like very cagey. Saying, we're going to still do this. And that's, that's what it seems okay. like. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll get yeah. another week. Now, now the problem here is in the meantime, yeah. all of this. So I just, just to kind of like keep an eye on what's going on. As soon as unity dropped this news, I subscribed to the various uh, unity subreddits. So I could try to get a sense of like, what are people thinking about? How are they dealing with this? What's the community talking about? Um, and the first couple days of after the, the pricing structure announcement, is very much a just panic, but also a this can't be real, let's just wait and see kind of thing. Um, as the days go by and Unity remains silent, uh, those subreddits are turning more and more into people banding together and helping each other find ways to migrate Get their off. games to other engines, right? And like the longer... <laughs> and, and a lot of conversations about broken trust and like all the stuff that we talked about um, last week on the podcast, right? And so as time goes on, this void of communication that Unity has left is allowing these communities to figure out ways to get the hell out of Dodge. Mm -hmm. um, and they're doing it. So uh, it's it like, you can you can go even look at like the like graphs for the, the Godot subreddit. And the, the number of people in that subreddit is just skyrocketing because people are just migrating away from Unity. Uh, a lot of people who are less informed are coming in um, to the Unity subreddit, you know, who are just like, oh yeah, I'm thinking about getting into game game development. Is this a good engine? And everybody's like, no. <laughs> so, that sucks. Uh, that so, really sucks. And this is people who, you know, up until now have been huge advocates for the engine, yeah. right? Well, so, then we also saw, I think it was yesterday or a couple of days ago, Relogic, who makes Terraria and has basically infinite money, right? But mm -hmm. uh, they put out a statement that they were donating $100,000 each to two different open source projects. One of those was Godot. The other one was something, something. FNA, which I've never heard of before. Heard of. Yeah. Um, and uh, and $1,000 monthly ongoing, indefinitely ongoing donations to try to prop up those projects. And and then we have all these other developers who are like banding together, like successful developers, right? Like signing these 500 large developer, you know, like uh, group statements against this thing. So, you know, and uh, and lots of money and just free advertising is going to these, I mean, all, all other game engines, but in particular, Unreal and then these open source projects. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, there's, there's nothing that anybody could have ever done to like to prop up these other projects, these competitors to Unity yeah. as powerfully as Unity did with, yep. with this move. It's just truly, it's a kind of like, 
it's the whole Elon Musk thing with Twitter, right? Like the only reason Twitter still exists at all is because nobody else has made a good enough Twitter co clone that people want, right? Mm -hmm. But people have been look just nobody was looking for an alternative until until then, and then everybody was, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. all well, of these companies that, that had like stuff that people didn't that wasn't even that good really you know suddenly saw these huge influxes of like a hundred thousand people trying to join or a million people trying to join right like the kind of stuff again you could never pay for in a million years mm -hmm. it's just, just there's just the yeah. opportunity was huge it was all because somebody else fucked up so badly it's amazing well this and this is kind of the the weird kind of inherent conflict with with being a, a publicly traded company or a company that's that's focused on growth like this. So if you think about what happened with, with Twitter, uh, Twitter has so fucking many users and it's just a platform for, for posting short messages publicly. Mm -hmm. That's what it is for. Uh, plus, you know, you can embed videos and pictures, but it's not like an incredibly complicated sort of uh, thing that it's doing, right? Yeah. It's complicated so because of scale, because it's just so big. Right. The tech, the tech underlying it, but yeah, as far as like what it does is a simple concept, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, as a result, all Twitter has to do is just continue existing and and not fuck around, mm -hmm. right? And because of what uh, what Musk has been doing with it, people have been looking for an escape hatch, which is why, of course, when Threads appeared, it yeah. hit 100 million users in five days, yeah. right? Because people – and the problem is it, it didn't actually have a feature set comparable to Twitter, uh, even just basic things like – I guess it was like searching tags or you know, just like yeah, some, some pretty already. basic stuff that like was part of the core functionality. And so the problem is like people want a way out, but then you know when sometimes it looks like there is one and then it turns out to just be like a dead end. Right? Yeah, but that's because everybody so, goes and tries it, right? Because that's, that's the thing you can't – you can't get. do that otherwise. Like it's impossible mm -hmm. to go against an incumbent like Unity or like Twitter, right? Because nobody's even willing to try. Why would they? Why would they go through the effort of being like, oh, let's just sign up for this competing service, right? Unless yeah. they have been so incentivized to leave in mass that yeah. they actually do go try. It. And then that's the moment where if you're not ready for that and you can't and that was probably like there were, you know, some of these competitors early on in the early Musk takeover days. Uh, like people liked, but they weren't ready for scale. Like Hive collapsed instantly. Yeah. Um, and also none of them were ready because they didn't have their security practices. It was one of those like good examples of why when you're building web tech, you build for security and scale out of the gate. And you'll see all these people who are like, don't worry about that stuff. You can solve that later, like when you need to, because most things aren't successful. Like that's all true. But if you are Depends successful, the, kind of the success yeah. can get destroyed. And if you don't yeah. understand why, where the well, success is going to come from. Especially know? when the power of the thing you're talking about is its scale, which is what you're talking yeah, about. Exactly. Yep. So it's, if, yeah, if it doesn't scale, it doesn't work, yeah, right? Yeah, so like that's, that's the only silly. reason for it to exist. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I feel like we've just had a, a number of these instances this year in the tech space of this self emulation that then provides a lot of warmth to uh, competitors in the space. Yeah, it's honestly great. We need to break up some of these monoliths. <laughs> Fascinating, know. but yeah. Yeah, well, but this, and this also kind of runs, it runs counter to, uh, to reality where like, if you're a, if you're a company like Unity um, and you're publicly traded, you are supposed to be showing growth every quarter in your, in your public financials. But there isn't a constantly growing supply of game developers. Mm -hmm. Like it's probably, I mean, it's probably growing 
a bit. But, you know, if we're talking like every year, there's a, a couple percent more game developers than there were the year before. If you're showing a couple percent growth, uh, your, your, your stock's going to tank. And apparently that matters. So, so instead, uh, what, you know, what invariably happens is, is you will go into anti-competitive stuff to try to like make sure there are no competitors for your customers to go to. And the other thing is once cash extraction. The, yeah, once you can't get any more customers, you just try to extract cash. And and this was this is one of those gambles where they thought, where are they gonna go? Like, what are they gonna do? If we if we take half their money, what what are they gonna do? Right. It's yeah. very much a shakedown, right? Well, and there's and and so, there's a there's a real and we we're talking about all these cases of people like literally leaving the engine and people who've been working on projects even for like years who are like, all right, yeah. and figuring out how to port stuff over, right? But the reality for most people and companies is that they can't afford to do that. Yeah. They they really are just stuck with whatever they are stuck. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. well but the problem is they're stuck for now because yeah because right now if they survive choices, after they get through the next yeah, game. Because their choice is essentially uh release our game and possibly be financially ruined by Unity's pricing model or uh Port our game it. and be financially ruined just by porting expenses, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, so in, in either in either case, Unity will have this customer only for a short amount of time because they just will stop existing as a as an entity, right? So it's such a it's such a it's such an insane it's the most short sighted strategy that you could possibly take, right? Um, but you know that also would explain why so many of the board and executives sold tens of thousands of shares or more of of uh, Unity stock in the past year, right? So I don't know. The whole thing is pretty pretty fucked. Uh, I'm there's an uh, assumption floating around that uh, Unity is because they've been silent and imply and or like what they have said implies that they are not going to backtrack on this decision. Or if they do, it'll be a pretty minor backtrack. They're just trying to figure out how to make it palatable enough that they can get away with it. Yeah. And and they're also probably doing that thing that a lot of companies do, which is uh, assume that the reaction you're getting is temporary outrage yeah. and not it'll real. blow over, you know, and just, just, and just, and just put your head down, be quiet and let it, let it blow over. So they've gone more than a week. I think they announced the pricing change on like Tuesday or Wednesday last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, nothing. And the assumption is that if anything, maybe at the end of the day on Friday, so today when we're recording, they'll put out some kind of statement sort of doubling down. Uh, but coming into the weekend where like the news outlets won't be writing about it and stuff. So that stocks it kind of like, trade. Right. Because stocks don't trade over the weekend. And, you know, it's a, but it's kind of a to me, it's kind of a thing where like if you're doing something that is so unpopular that you think it's going to collapse your stock price. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe don't. maybe yeah. think of a maybe different don't. plan. <laughs> well, let's let's get into the other fun news though on the industry side this week because there's been there's been just all sorts of things. I feel like yeah. I don't know what's happening. Everyone's you know, yeah, lots into, happening at once. We're getting into October, okay? Spooky. Is, we're in Skeletember, which yeah, I learned Skeletember. That's the precursor to which, uh, Spooktober. Yeah, which is which is Halloween creeping into September. Which I'm I'm down. I'm down with I'm down with Halloween creep. Halloween could creep all the way up to February, and I would. Yeah. <laughs> I want it to just be all. I want all year to have the vibe of Halloween and just mm-hmm. every other thing. So like Halloween, Christmas, you know, like every other holiday just is it's infected. A layer on top. You know, of yeah. the baseline of Halloween. Like you want to so get somebody a uh, Valentine's gift, you know, you get him a skeleton and some chocolates, you know. Yeah, a fucking a skeleton heart. with a with its rib cage with a heart, a chocolate heart inside of it. Yeah. 
Mm, so delicious. And maybe a a head full of like delicious uh, custard or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I got like a jelly (laughs) jelly brain. Jelly brain. We had the Uh, the news that was picking up, I feel like, right? Because this other thing happened this week was this Xbox leak popped off. And everyone's so using their marbles. Yeah. So here's the deal. Microsoft has Xbox Game Pass. It's a subscription service. We have put stuff in there before. Uh, Levelhead was in there. Uh, and there's a certain you know model that they have. It, it works differently than, than just selling your game on like Google Play or something because uh, it's a subscription service, right? So when you... When you put your game into that service, oftentimes, you know, you would be talking with Microsoft and they would give you, they would, they would essentially like pay you some kind of an upfront license or something like that to put your game into, into there, mm-hmm. right? Because effectively they're going to be giving your game for free to a bajillion people, right? So you, yeah. you're trying to do some little math on like, oh, you're trying to do essentially damage control, which is like, if somebody's a Game Pass subscriber and then they also buy games on Steam, right? Mm-hmm. Then if you put your game onto Game Pass, you're that person is not going to buy your game on Steam, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of, there's kind of like a, a trade-off there. So even if Microsoft said, oh, yeah, we'll give you like 10 cents for every hour that somebody plays your game, right? It's like, okay, well, even then, right. is that made I mean? good. Yeah. yeah. And so there, so there's like the typical exchanges, you know, Microsoft pays, you put the game on there, and then there, there may be some other kind of like residuals or something like that. Yeah, but, but they're basically the- paying for uncertainty for the publisher of the game, right? Yeah. For like what – so they have to pay enough that that publisher is like, I'm not worried about the risk of cannibalizing sales on their platforms or launching their platforms later, both of those probably, right? Um, because the amount of money we're getting paid comfortably offsets – how much we think we would be earning on these other platforms if we didn't do this. Yeah. And of course, if it's an exclusive, that also that changes things even more because now you're guaranteed to not make a yeah. sale on Steam or anywhere else, mm-hmm. right? So they have to ask even higher. Well, so, especially if you're talking AAA games, right? Because like the amount of money they're going to make on Steam is fucking astronomical, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yep. so, the, yeah, so, the, so these numbers can get really, really big because what you're paying for is that combo of like – that offset of of what somebody would be making out everywhere well, else. Plus, then also just the value that the platform, that's like the biggest one, is actually just the value the platform sees in what that title brings to their portfolio. Yeah. Right? So yeah. this is also an interesting thing with uh, subscription models that differs from the rest of actually all the storefronts, which is that, you know, Steam is an uncaring entity. It doesn't matter that there's a thousand other FPS games on there. If you want to put your FPS game on there, they're not like, you literally can't. We're not even going to let yeah, you. Steam doesn't it. operate on a portfolio basis. Yes. And so it's a really interesting note for you know devs who are, especially smaller devs who are trying to get into these various uh, subscription services is that there is a portfolio factor, which just means that sometimes timing can just not be in your favor. They could be like, sorry, we got too many RPGs coming out. We already got like a, a full slate of RPGs. We're just hurting for some weird roguelike thing. And you don't have that. So it looks cool, but we can't. Like, we're just not interested. Yeah. And, and sort of on the opposite side of that, too, is you can have a game that normally wouldn't be worth as much, but as in like it wouldn't make that much money. But as a complement to a portfolio, it actually adds more value because of how it sits in the whole portfolio. So you can actually get more out of it than you would otherwise. Yeah. yeah. It's just saying like if we if we add this game to our roster – is there a group of players who will now come become subscribers, right? Or like who that's will stick kind around of the, or who because will of stick this variety. Around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
Yeah. So what we know is, and we, we've talked with, with lots of different uh, people who work in various subscription services, mm-hmm. right? Um, and this is, and this is the general kind of like approach that they take is, yeah, they can't just throw money at every single game. They need yeah. some kind of metrics that they're using. To cons- to, and you have to consider the whole store that you're putting together, the whole portfolio to yeah. figure out what you actually need. Yeah. But of course, because, you know, nobody can predict the future. And we've even talked in the past about how like uh, even even Valve, who has Steam, where they have they have metrics on every game. Everything. On every PC game, they can track every single little thing about it. And they are a game studio as well because they made Half-Life and Team Fortress 2 and Counter-Strike mm-hmm. and Dota, whatever, right? Uh, artifacts. So, Don't forget artifacts. Well, exactly. Well, yeah, because that's the thing is that even though they have the, the capability to make great games, they have the most data and information that – out of anybody else in the and entire world. Don't forget that. And they've got infinite resources that even they can have a miss where they yep. launched Artifact and it just didn't go, right? Um, and, and also uh, that's that's why there was a time where like you did have to pitch your game to Steam and sometimes they would say no. And then they they realized that they would see games that they thought were going to do great and they would say, yeah, and then they would just do nothing at all. Which right. does and also that, bring us to the Baldur's Gate thing with yeah, Xbox. Yeah, yeah. Right. So this is what happened this week is there was a, a leak of – It was the docu- FTC docs from – for the – I think, right? Wasn't it FTC, FTC yeah. stuff for the whole antitrust or anti – whatever For the it is. merger between Activision and, and Microsoft. Blizzard. Yeah, so somebody yeah, didn't yeah, lock yeah. down a URL properly basically. Or they, or they, yeah. know, they uploaded some stuff to a public part of the FTC like – filings or something like that that shouldn't have been uploaded there. It was, it was one of those kinds of things. Uh, where yeah, it was, it was, up. it wasn't a leak so much as just a fuck up basically. Yeah, like yeah. nobody like, here, here journalist, here's some secret docs, right, you right. know, but basically this, it was just a, uh, one of the documents in there was, was a breakdown of their kind of predictions of how much money they should probably be offering or like be expected to, to give to get certain games onto Xbox game pass. Mm-hmm. Um, the highest in the list was Star Wars? This is from earlier this year, I think uh, February or something like that. It's like I think it was twenty twenty two, wasn't it? Or was it last year? Yeah, it was, like, it was. Yeah, so it was you know it was a little while ago. Um, and again, nobody can predict the future, right? So some of the upcoming games at that time that they were looking at was Star Wars Jedi Survivor mm-hmm. and Baldur's Gate three. So Jedi Survivor made by EA as part of a huge pre existing IP. Blah blah blah. Uh, so they looked at that and they're like, yeah, obviously this is just going to do great. So 300 million. Yeah. That's from a portfolio standpoint. Again, you're looking at how do we get games into the service that like, if the game is in the service that people who aren't on board will get on board and people who are on board will be like, wow, I'm so glad I'm part of this. Right. Yeah. Which yeah, you could you say keep any, them from leaving because the game's there. Yeah. Any huge, yeah. huge triple A game that you can get that especially like, yeah, is a star Wars game. Um, seems like it'd be a good bet, right? Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, so they, they would need to drop 300 million to compensate for the risk and the lost sales. Cause it, the game's going to do great and it's going to be a great game, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then if you go all the way kind of down the list, all the way to the bottom, you see Baldur's Gate three. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at the time that they were making this decision, Baldur's Gate three was, um, it's in early access. access. Yeah. Yeah. In early access, I think it peaked at something like 15,000 players or something like that. Um, and it was just kind of chilling, you know, at like a couple thousand 
players a day or something like that on Steam. So, uh, and, and the general the general consensus is if you if you look at a game in early access, then when it actually goes into full launch, you don't really see that much of a change because it's been available the whole time. Yeah, right. Most, the most you expect is typically a doubling. Yeah. Like a doubling. Yeah, if yeah. you if you kind so, of look look through the existing data and stuff, like like also like Sam and I did that too before we launched mm-hmm. Levelhead and stuff, right? It's yeah, it's like basically what we saw was the t- typically you just like your real launch was like twice as big as the early access launch, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and it wasn't even that there was like because because for most stuff there's huge variation, so that the typical case doesn't even matter, you know. But it was actually like really typical, it's pretty consistent. There are very yeah. few outliers there, and of course then you, you do occasionally have one that like is just a different thing for whatever yeah. reason but it, for the most part it was weirdly consistent yeah so yeah. xbox and i were this and they were and they would have thought the same thing that we would have thought which is okay well like this is like selling solidly like that's this yeah, is a good doing well this is doing well and it's gonna do well at launch but this isn't a blockbuster like runaway hit right yeah and i, and I also think that at least at some point in time um Baldur's Gate 3 was gonna be on like google stadia or something yeah, apparently it was originally part of the deficit was originally slated for it to come to Stadia. So uh, yeah, Stadia shut down though. Stadia collapsed. I wonder how um, much Stadia paid them for that. Probably a lot. I don't know. No, but it's all gone now because you know Stadia. Well, I mean, they would have kept the money, but Stadia yeah. is gone. Um, yeah, and so so there was also kind of some considerations in there where they were like, well, it was supposed to be like a Stadia game, and now it's not, and that's weird. So they they referred to it as like a second run Stadia game. I think it was sort of like. <laughs> Um, I don't know what that means exactly, second run, but essentially, you know, they're just kind of like looking at this game and based on all the metric, and also they looked at, they looked back at Divinity Original Sin, mm-hmm. uh, which was Larian's previous game. And it's like, yeah, it, it did well um, and, it, and it got good reviews, but also it's kind of a niche. Like it's a very slow paced story driven game and stuff like that. Well, I think that's so, the main thing they were probably seeing is like, they were like, this is a niche and the niche just isn't that big. I think mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. And again, the data totally backs that up. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so then when, you know, when the rubber hits the road, Star Wars Jedi Survivor to, to their credit did actually sell, like yeah, it does have like 50, whatever thousand, uh, reviews on steam and like people bought it cause it's a triple A Star Wars game. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got like 50% positive reviews on steam. So it's, you know, very <laughs> much uh, not that good of a game. Um, and, and overall on Metacritic and stuff like just. It just well, no. It's yeah. fine. It didn't. It's, it's a fine. Star yeah. Wars game. Yeah, it's a Star Wars game from EA. Like, yep. mm, yeah. It's what was that mean? It's like, oh, daring today, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> mm, I think I'll have a Star Wars game yeah. from EA. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so that Baldur's Gate, uh, they went from there like fifteen thousand whatever uh, peak players in early access to like eight hundred and seventy five thousand peak. <laughs> Law at launch. Well, in their, so they in their didn't, second they week, they had more players, even yeah. more. Which yeah. is which is funny. Because, which is like fucking I, unheard of. That never. That never. So happens. hard to do. So I didn't even know about Baldur's Gate 3 until it started appearing in the World of Warcraft subreddit about five days after launch, where people yeah. were making like WoW lore characters and the character creator in Baldur's Gate mm-hmm. and then taking screenshots me like, look, I made Thrall in Baldur's Gate. And I was like, Baldur's Gate? Like, yeah. that's a I saw a somebody doing a, <laughs> they were doing a Rick from Rick and Morty playthrough where they were like trying to make a character that looked like Rick. <laughs> Right, and then they were like, works, yeah. "Yeah." Then they were like, "What would Rick do?" And that was like <laughs> their, play, their playthrough. 
Yeah. Oh man. Like, yeah. But yeah, you could do the, just the wildest shit, you know? And so it, it, and what I think probably partially explains the, the early access shift is that, um, because it is a, like a deep story driven game, blah, blah, blah. Uh, people who did know about it and were excited about it probably just wanted to wait. Yeah. Wanted to be done before. Yeah. I, I, I saw it. I think I saw my first, saw the first cinematic, but two years ago or something. And I was like, I mean, obviously I'm going to play that, but I'm waiting until it's 1.0 because it's a story game, which means I don't want to play it. Yeah. I don't want to have to replay it twice. Yeah. 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 And of course, now that it's out, I am, I am replaying it like three times, oh, but you yeah, know, yeah. still, but I'm replaying a final version yes. of it and not like some partially completed stuff. Right? Yeah. Well, so but the thing the, is like, you would have had fun playing the partially completed stuff too. It's just in your mind though, in terms of like decision making, cause like you don't know how much is going to be yep. there. You know, you don't, you just don't know enough about what that experience is going to be like. So, you know, it just makes sense to wait. Even but if, if you didn't need to strictly. The note about this that's fun though, is that you get to see these little bullet points attached to not just these two games, but like all just a ton of games that they were trying to figure out if they should include and then how much they should pay for. And there's, yeah, they summarize like, their why, right? Yeah. Like bullet line summaries. And the fact that it's like with Baldur's Gate, that, that it's, referred to as a second rate Stadia RPG, which is clearly a, I, like, I don't know if it's not, if you're not in industry, I don't know how exactly to frame that to make sure that you understand that that is an extremely insulting framing. <laughs> it's extremely yeah. insulting. But it's also, they, they, insulting. they also somehow completely overlooked that uh, it's a D&D game. And that actually, because of Stranger Things, like starting with Stranger Things, yeah. it's like Critical Role and stuff. Like and D and D, the Dragons movie came out, and yeah, like D and D has actually really started blowing up blowing yeah. on uh, Dropout TV. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, it's just it's huge right now. It's 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 deeply getting it's moving out of the basement of nerds and just like into everyone's house yeah. everywhere, right? And so, and and again, like that was that was a trend that was like ongoing at the time, but you know. And, it, and it's in retrospect, everything's obvious, right? And it's like now we can really see that, like, the success of Baldur's Gate is both capitalizing on the success of D and D now, but it's also driving the success of D and D, right? It's like the self reinforcing thing. So, mm-hmm. um, again, yeah, it's it's really easy to go back and look at this stuff and be an armchair expert and be like, oh, they were so dumb, yeah. <laughs> right? But like, they're smart and they looked at a lot of data. And it's they made the to, best predictions they could. Well, and this is, again, this is why I'm, <laughs> I'm always saying bad data is worse than no data because you make decisions based off of it, right? When it didn't matter that you had data, actually, right? And yeah. and I think games are one of those cases because because the, the way that you use data to make a prediction is when things behave according to the, statist- the statistical averages of like the other things that have happened, right? And that's not what games do. Games don't do that. Yeah. Every game behaves differently and there aren't that many, right? Like statistics are when you have infinite data. That's when that's when they're like really meaningful. But the thing that they're never meaningful for is one data point. Yes. Ever. Which is always which is is typically the reason why if you're in, say, the independent game space and you're trying to pitch to a subscription service, whatever else, you have to be so good at being your own advocate mm-hmm. about what your game is and why it is valuable because you have to get them away from the numbers. Yeah, well, a little bit, right? Or, or at least away from the even even some of the portfolio stuff. Because again, mm-hmm. like this idea that like, oh yeah, we already have an RPG for Q2 next year. So yeah, but it's like two RPGs aren't the fucking yeah. same. 
you know. Yeah, imagine, like, if, we, imagine if Steam if Steam was like, well, we already have Divinity Original Sin, which like gameplay wise is basically the same as Baldur's Gate Three. So yeah. like, no thanks, yep. we're not going to let you publish Baldur's Gate Three. <laughs> it's like that's okay. not how anything. Or Starfield, works. I think a, a, a really good example would be Starfield versus Baldur's Gate. It's like they are two completely different experiences, though on like a genre label, they have many overlapping parts, right? Mm-hmm. And if you Try to say like, oh, sorry, we don't have room for Starfield because we got Baldur's Gate. You'd be kind of dumb. If you said they reversed, you'd also be kind of dumb. And so it's like they're not – it's not quite in apples and apples swap in and out. And it's very easy to, I think, forget that when you're in the case of like trying to advocate for your own game or whatever else and not recognize that you could you could find ways to talk about it where it's very clearly its own thing and drive people mm-hmm. to that understanding too. Yeah, well, to, to me, the, the weird thing is, and I, I feel like this, I could be wrong about this in terms of like how I'm envisioning what's actually going on behind the scenes, but it seems to me that so many of the conversations uh, about what games to bring into portfolios is just, it's all data analysis, yeah. right? And one, one thing that it's I don't- comps, right? It's data yeah, and comps. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I haven't heard of is like, is there a team of people at at Microsoft or, you know, any any place with a subscription service where their only job is to just, just play the games that come in, that are pitched and give them a de- like a good amount of time, right? If you sit down and play a game for eight hours, like for an entire- work day, right? And if you're ha- if you're hooked and you're having a blast the whole time and like at the end of the day you're like, "Oh, I wish I could keep playing this game," you know? Then like that's a good game and you should really think about getting that into your portfolio. Well, I'll say <laughs> I'll say two things about that without, you know, we can't talk about details of any particular company, right? But we've 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 submitted questions to and also Levelhead uh to lots of different companies for their subscription services or things, right? And interact with lots of these different teams. And I think what we've consistently seen is there's a strict separation where there's there's a, there's somebody or some very small team. Always, like you wouldn't believe how tiny these teams are. Um, too so, small. So there's a <laughs> tiny team of people small. whose job it is to basically find and evaluate games for sort of suitability on the platform and like really rough, like, is, is this is this good? Like, would I want this on the platform? Do I think people would want this on the platform, right? And those people, depending on volume and how much they are are hooked just by the idea of a particular game or a studio or whatever, will put playtime in. They'll try it out. They'll play it. They'll listen to your pitch. They'll do all that kind of stuff, right? And then they basically – so you make a case to them, and then they put together a case that goes to sort of the – Anonymous, bespectacled business people, right? Who, who then <laughs> do comps, crunch numbers, and then spit out basically, uh, you know, the magic number of like, okay, here's what we would pay for this, right? And it is magic in the sense that it's made. It's it's just, it is, made up. It is yeah. 100% arbitrary. Like they, yeah. it's yep. justified via a bunch of metrics. But oh yeah, no, it's, it's, it's all. It's still arbitrary. It's just right. astrology. It's, it's you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like you you are assigning you're assigning certain values to things, right? It's not, it's not random in a, in within itself. Right. Well, yeah. Random and arbitrary aren't necessarily the same. It's that arbitrary is, is is just that the number that comes out actually is completely unrelated to the actual value that the game will ultimately bring. Right. Yes. Uh, And like I said, it's justified. It's like they have justifications for the number. They have rationales. They've done a lot of reasoning and then they, like Adam said, then they come up with a magic number Mm -hmm. and that number is fake. Yeah, and and the problem is like because the teams are generally very small, it's oftentimes the the people 
who are receiving the pitches and talking with the comp with the, the studios and stuff, those are the same people who then are like compiling information and then like bringing that to the business people. And it's like that, that group of that small group can't play all the games. Yeah. They have but it is, very it limited time. Yep. Yeah. And they don't, have, they just don't. But even have if the, they the do, if they're going to advocate for your game, like still then some, some, num some group of number crunching people, right. Mm -hmm. Put together a, a thing they send it back to your your person there that person may try to argue for more on your behalf depending on your relationship with them and if they think they can pull it off the company structure and all that kind of stuff right and i'll say that like we've had great interactions and great relationships with that entry point person in everywhere yeah, we've tried everywhere. to yeah. everywhere we've Actually, tried yeah, to everywhere. submit the game and we've had not bad responses on the other side where where the money comes from right but usually not sufficient, I guess is the way I'll put it. I would it, say right? they're, they're very uh, context light. Yeah. But also you can, it's always the thing where it's like, what is that? Is that what the opinion of the mainstream audience would be? Because they're just going to be glancing at this. Yeah. Because I mean, the thing is, we don't know either. I right? don't know. Yeah, yeah. We don't know if Crashlands 2 is going to be successful. You know, we, yeah, nobody knows. Nobody knows. So, nobody yeah. Knows. So like, you know, well, of course, we think that Crashlands 2 is worth at least $14 billion. At yeah. least. But we've had, it's, that's been a hard sell, to be honest, mm -hmm. with most of these platforms. You so. can break it down, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But again, like our number is arbitrary, and so is there. Nobody fucking knows. Mm -hmm. uh, so, anyways, it's, it was just an interesting. It was a, it was an interesting glimpse. glimpse into behind the scenes, and I, I it's it's unfortunate that you know that the general takeaway for a lot of people is just kind of this smug kind of, you know, looking oh. down your nose at Microsoft, like these idiot business people don't know anything about video games, right? It's yep. like, none of us know about video games. We After the fact, you know, if it's going to be successful, but that's not fucking hard. Yeah. You Steam doesn't know. Microsoft doesn't know. We don't know. We don't know. If we knew what was going to, what was going to like make a hundred million dollars, then we would just make that yeah, we'd thing, make that. <laughs> right? Yep. We don't, we don't know. We, so instead, it's like, well, we make something that we like and that we think is going to be fun and yeah. well received, and then we but hope we, we could make a living doing that. But that's that's it. Yeah, there's no guarantees, right? So uh, anyway, that was just a very interesting look behind the curtain this yeah. this week. Uh, and then I guess the the last kind of like bit of well, it's not news, but it's just a thing, which was we have a nail whiff. Oh, yes. uh, uh, Starfield review. So out of the gate, Adam, Starfield, did it nail it or did it whiff? So this one is funny because this is my first on a nailed whiff spectrum squarely in the middle. You got a nailer whiff. That's it's the thing a, is it's supposed it's to nail or whiff man. it. But oh, is it, oh, wait a minute. Is this like a, like when you're hitting, you're putting the nail in and you do hit the nail, but you also hit you yourself bend with it. the thumb? Yeah, or, or you, you bend, bend the it. nail, you know, kind oh, of yeah, a thing. Yeah, okay. Like – because you hit it, but yeah, because like I played, <laughs> yeah, I played like I don't know a dozen hours of it, probably something like that. Um, and it's one of those. It's like it's it's just this weird thing because like I'm having a good time, but I'm also kind of not having fun, right? If that so this is what this is why I say yeah, like I, I really believe voice. it's like it's like squarely between those things because it's not a whiff, and then I'm like, well, fuck this, like I'm not gonna play this, right? right? right, right. But they definitely did not nail it um, because <laughs> like it's. <laughs> The game is trying to do so, – so we talked about this a couple episodes ago. We, had, we talked about the perception of the game when it was going to early access by the people who had played it, but we hadn't played it yet, right? Would you say that that perception was – I would say that was spot on, which is which is the game yeah. like – it has it's missing some amount of soul where mm -hmm. there's just kind of a – there's a hollowness to the whole – experience and i would say it's it's a sandbox it's a sandbox game dressed up as an rpg is how i would describe it mm. and as we know from trying to make crashlands 
or Crashlands games, right? It's really hard to connect like sandboxy crafting sorts of, you know, adventure games to yeah, you story. Can't, you can't let things, somebody, right? you can't let somebody go anywhere they want, whenever they want. Yeah. Uh, and also, and also have obviously like linear sequential stories mm-hmm. that yeah, reasonably connect and to like each other. Yeah. Bal- Baldur's Gate 3 is a really good example of like, of, pol- of polling that off, right? But even, even then, then, like they do, not, they do still have, box, right? yeah, they do yeah, still have these hard right. gates. Yep. So, for example, like there may be a, a point where you're about to go into some new, uh, new act or like some new major like zone that you haven't been to before, and they'll put a message up and they're like, "Are you sure you want to do this? Make sure you tie up any loose ends before you go, because once you go, they actually like close out a whole bunch of stories. Yeah. They lemon, they lemon real hard, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, because it's like, this. yeah, because even though it is open, they still have to have." some kind of common touch points and I think times in the story. And I think that's a lot of what the kind of consensus around, around Starfield is, is that they didn't want to close things off like bet all. Right. Um, They wanted you to just to be able to do anything, which I don't dislike. It is very cool that you can be like, I'm both, I'm both a pirate, like, I'm both a, a pirate as part of like the pirate crew, and I'm also like a police officer on this other planet, and I'm also like an adventurer, you know, like, and you're just all of the things, and you can kind of like choose how you want to, like, you can have because like the dialogue choices are are influenced by the things right. that you've participated in, you mm-hmm. know, so like, so, so like, I'm currently simultaneously wanted by the law, and I'm also and the law, I'm also <laughs> the law, and I'm also like, I'm, I'm like four incompatible things, and I'll be in a, in a dialogue with somebody, and like those four incompatible options kind of come up of like, oh, I can just choose what hat I'm wearing right now, right? But, this, but to me, this, this makes sense in one dimension, which is like, yeah, if there's like four different planets, then it makes a lot of sense that those planets wouldn't have such deep communication networks with each yeah, other. Yeah, also like the thing is, it works though. It does like it does yeah. work, and, and I and so I'm enjoying it as kind of, basically kind of a choose your own adventure sandbox game. But sort of the consequence of that is like everything doesn't feel like it matters very much, right? But mm. my biggest complaint is not that because I think that's that all feels like it makes sense. And it's fine, and, and and like the stories that are there, many of them are still fun. There's still some fun character stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I don't think that's really. I think the problem for me is really the same stuff we talked about a couple of weeks ago, moment to moment. Which is just how little they give a shit about your moment-to-moment experience, and like I don't like there's the amount of depth actually to like to the to the systems of the game is is enormous. You just don't know it because nothing is fucking explained to you, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> and you don't have access to the information that you would need. I think I think sort of the quintessential example of this is I've been avoiding space combat stuff because it's clunky as hell and very confusing. And I, and like, I, they didn't like when I, when I give through the little tutorial, you know, they were like, Oh, do these things. And I was like, why? Like, I don't know what, <laughs> how this is supposed to work. And it just, just, kinda, it, it just kind of feels like you just turn in circles and shoot at stuff. Right. And I'm pretty sure that is how it works. Like it's, I don't know. So, so like it wasn't fun and it was like just stressful and confusing. And so like, I've been avoiding it. But then on Monday night, I was like, okay, I'm going to go like watch some videos about how to actually make a spaceship. Cause I also went to the spaceship crafting menu and I couldn't figure out even how to, how to use it because there's no information about yeah. that. There's a bunch of like <laughs> buttons you can use, but like, it turns out you have to already have a, sh- there's like a, there's like a build menu, but you have to already have a ship and then you can like 
delete all the parts edit, of that ship it, and then I guess. rebuild it. Yeah. Uh, but depending on where you are, different parts are available when you go to construction, which doesn't tell you. So you don't know how to okay. know like <laughs> what, what parts are available, if they're always available, right? And then further, I don't know, Adam, this doesn't sound like a UI problem. I think you're just an idiot. I think you're then, just very dumb. And then, so it's like I'm, I'm trying to build the ship. And one of my core things I want to do is I was like, I want a ship where all of the crafting stations are on it. Are so I don't have to, because like, otherwise you just like randomly find a kind of crafting station out in the world. You'll be like, oh, here's a weapon station. Let me go upgrade my weapons. Like after I get done with this combat I'm doing on this mm. space pirate ship or whatever, mm. right? Ooh, this is my chance to now upgrade my weapons, right? I was like, I want to have everything on my fucking ship. There's literally no way to know which parts of ships give you the different workstations. There's no way to know. The only way to find out is to build the ship, spend the credits, back out of that menu, go in the ship and, and look. And then, if it, <laughs> and then if that was wrong, you then have to leave and go Load. resell that part for a, a lower price because that's how it, it's always asymmetrical. Right. And try So like, so, so I ended up just like looking up, somebody had put together a list of like, <laughs> oh my God. Sorry, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold so on, you hold have, on. you have this like module. Yeah. Like you have, have, so there's, you yeah, own it. You own it. But you don't know but what you is in it. You can't look at it yeah. or see what's in it. You don't what's know what's in, in it. Yeah. So, okay. so you might know, <laughs> there's a few stats that are listed, which is like, how many crew okay. does this support or how many, sure, whatever, but right? like, Functional utility of it is not part of that description. Yeah, it's, it's like, like you can have a thing, just not in there. But so it's it's almost like you're building a ship by going to a storage auction. You know where they like have yeah yeah exactly yeah you just like things buy people have paid for yeah you're just like I'm gonna buy this crate and open it up and I'll build <laughs> yeah. my ship out of that yeah and so no no. Other way around, build your ship, then open it up. And then oh, open that's it up. true. Yeah. Buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, you buy all the parts, put it together, and then you're like, okay, what what did I get? Uh, and <laughs> and it was and there Fuck. there are some like patterns there where it's like if it ends in a workshop, then it has it has like one of the stations in it, and if it, you know there's like a science thing and that's going to have your like research station or whatever. So there are some things that like there is a pattern that holds true, right? But it turns out like there there is, but they sometimes will have another station in them. Yeah, of course. And there's no way to know that. And then there is one, there's like one fucking component that has all of the stations in it, but it's named the same as the rest of them. Nice. There's just, and there's, so the only way to know is to have happened to have bought that one and then so walked inside about, of it. Right? Uh, the usefulness of information asymmetry or obfuscation in a, in a design, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's where Starfield fails the most aggressively is. Well, because yeah, they're trying to say like, it's there's always the argument present, which is like it's it's better to not show certain things, right? Which can be very true, right? Because it can either facilitate community stuff or it can lead to yeah. But that's not a general discovery. Argument. That's just one yeah. of the approaches you can take to information is is do we tell them or not? But you have to have a reason why yeah. why you're telling people or not. And same as you're saying, like yeah, one of the reasons might be like okay, it's going to push people out into the broader world so they communicate with each other, and you know you can mm-hmm. kind of drive drive community engagement. Uh, but this kind of thing is not that. And I think no. that's that's the general experience with the game is that there's this weird level, like this huge level actually of depth. Because there's also this whole like mining thing where you can like set up mining operations and staff them and all this kind of stuff, right? And and But even something as simple as like how persuasion checks work or how lockpicking mm-hmm. works, right? Those are things that like, my, so my wife has also been playing a bunch. And both of us, like we've played all the fallouts. We've played all the games that this is just like a, a clone of, right? And played lots of other video games. And both of us like ended up with completely different assumptions about how things work and we're extremely confused about even things like how do persuasion checks work, right? <laughs> because the first time you see one, 
there's a little bar that you have to fill, but it's like gray on gray. So you don't even know. It's like easy to miss. <laughs> it's easy to miss that it's there, but you also don't know oh what it is. God. You don't know what it yeah, is, what, right? How does it fill? Like, well, like, so then you get choices of like responses you can make and there's then red, yellow, and or green, red, and yellow, right? Or So if you're colorblind, then I guess that would be a problem. Or, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and then they have like a plus some number on them, right? And then it's like whatever the the dialogue is that you're going to say. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, green means this is something that I'll work. I don't know what the plus one means, but presumably that's just not very much persuasion, it's like right? like riskier options, basically. Yeah, and then I was like, work. red must mean it won't work. And it's always, and the number gets bigger as it goes from green to red. Or right? is red like, this is a hostile thing you're trying to do and green is like a, a friendly thing. Well, yeah, actually, that was my first interpretation until I read the text and I was like, that can't be it, right? <laughs> so yeah. that was the thing is like, that was, I had to like, try to reason through the design pro the design choices of this thing because what should have been really obvious which is oh there's a number of bars you have to fill this is the number that if you pass it will f- get added to that bar right um and, and it's harder and yeah and it gets harder just it just 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 means decreases likelihood so it's actually very straightforward and simple once you know what it is right but there's so many other ways you could interpret it that without sufficient information given to you, then and I, and I feel like that's like the whole, the whole every interaction with the game is this, where there's like a lot of ways you can interpret how you're supposed to interact with the thing. And once you figure out what it is, it's usually like, oh, okay, <laughs> right? But it's just so easy because it's even stuff like when you're on a planet, you scan stuff, right? It's like you pull out your scanner. But I just thought, because like it gets highlighted when you look at it and I was like, oh, this is it scanned, right? Because it doesn't actually, like, you don't see what's happening. And then I realized there's just, like, underneath that, like, reticle, there's a bunch of, like, indicators of what buttons you can push to do things, right? And one of them is scan. And I just, like, didn't look underneath that part of, like, the interface to be, like, because mm. I just thought I was scanning stuff by having my scanner open and <laughs> and yeah, looking yeah. at it because it would get highlighted, right? And I was like, oh, I must be scanning it. And it I took me, it. like, a fucking hour of gameplay to realize. I was like, why isn't this doing anything? I don't understand what is going on here. <laughs> And because uh, you can't scan everything and the butt, like what buttons are visible changes depends on depending on what you're looking at. And so like when I'm looking at a creature to scan it, I'm also chasing the creature. I'm not looking at those buttons. I didn't realize that they switched from something that didn't have a scan option to something mm-hmm. that has a scan option now. Right. It's like that kind of stuff where like you just everything is designed. So it's so easy. So here's a question to misunderstand what to do, because I think part of the appeal of these very large uh or sandbox games, but just like very large, especially space related games, is this mm-hmm. is the, the idea that it is a huge thing that will take a very long time for you to discover all the stuff about, right? Yeah, which to me is um, not a selling point, but yeah, but I, I agree that that is the it may, yeah, it may not be for you, pitch. but it may also just like that's a that's part yeah. of the like idea, right? Wow, so many things, who even knows, right? Um, mm-hmm. but to what degree? Is it the case that the discovery happening here is the kind where once you actually know how it works, it's not it's not like particularly, you know, interesting or cool or like different, but it's just it was obfuscated. So it seemed like there was a lot of complexity or it seemed like there was a lot of depth when really there's just some information left out that you need to click a button or they just don't tell you that there's fucking workshops. I actually think I think it actually just there is a lot of stuff. And, it, and, and whether or not it's interesting is, is a separate yeah. question. Right? There is a lot of stuff. It's actually, I think, the trouble that they had is there's so much, there are so many systems you can engage with in the game that they couldn't figure out how to train you and how to design you wise that let you engage with all of those systems 
right? In a way that, because like if they had actually tried to teach you everything about how the game works. Yeah, you'd be 12 hours yeah, in. Yeah, you'd still be, be just like, hours of tutorial stuff, right? Tutorial. Mm. Well, I wonder why, because people talk about like, oh yeah, the game gets good after like 12 to 15 hours, right? Yeah, like, is you, that just because at you that have to point, learn how to play it, basically. Yeah, at that point, you just have sort of a grasp on what the fuck you're even looking yeah. at. Right, right. <laughs> well, and, uh, and also, and in, it, there is so much stuff that is just that is just confusing in terms of like how you engage with the game at the beginning. That I think yeah, a lot even of that, once you even once you know it, it's still confusing. Yeah, and, like, and so like yeah. they could have made it so that it was it felt better much sooner by just making even the easy stuff more because like you, like also you can like get a like knowing what to spec into right because it turns out like there, there's a you can get booster packs that let you do some kind of just jetpacking around you know mm-hmm. which is then super useful right but like. That's something you just kind of stumble into. And the only reason I even knew to like pay attention to was because I just happened to see a video of somebody talking about, hey, if you're going to, when you're playing Starfield, here's where you should spend your, like your first skill points, right? Because like you can choose way too many It takes it so be. long to fill out that tree. You can choose anything, right? And and it, it would be a waste to choose most things because like if you don't spec a point into jetpacks, you basically can't even traverse the world in, in an appropriate so this is way. The shit that gets me fired up though, because it's like, okay, so you have this you have an illusion that there's a lot of choice out of the gate and a lot of complexity that you have to deal with. But in reality, player needs a fucking jetpack. They need mm-hmm. to be able to lockpick stuff. They need to be able to do X, Y, Z. Well, and the consequence of not having those things is just that everything is slower and worse. It's not interesting. Yeah. Right? So again, like, yeah. why just give the player the jetpack? Well, here's what, so <laughs> on that note, here's, here's what I did. I made a bespoke experience for myself where, because mm-hmm. it's a it's a Bethesda game. They got the console. You can open it up and you can just give yourself stuff, right? So, yeah, let's go. So I did a few things. One is also, this is a game where you're, traversing entire fucking worlds in a spaceship, collecting huge amounts of resources to like craft things and build like build spaceships, build build outposts, like mining outposts and stuff, right? You gotta carry a lot of shit. Yeah, if you want to build a spaceship, I feel like you need to carry at least 30 or 40 pounds worth of You need a few yeah. things, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. true to form, like Inventory management is fucking brutal in this, in this game. Like in my, the, the first few hours I played, the first hour was clean because I didn't have anything in my inventory yet. But then the next like three hours of gameplay, easily two thirds of that was just dealing with my fucking inventory. Be like, oh, God damn it, I'm full again. I got to like decide what to throw away. And you don't know the value of stuff yet because you don't understand the systems and, you know, right. And uh, so you don't know what's good, what's worth keeping, whatever. And you don't have any money. You don't know what if money is useful. So you're like, I, know, I want to sell as many things as I can, you know. So it's just this whole thing. And then they, the UI sucks. They don't have like, the most important number that you need for inventory management, which is value per weight, right? Isn't worth picking up. <laughs> yep. yeah. They just have two well, no separate game, No game does that. Mm-hmm. I know, so I'm just doing do that, that math in my head. I, so, so I installed a mod that improves that UI to make it all cleaner, let you sort on a whole bunch of metrics, let you add new columns, including value over weight. Um, so I did, so I like, so I added a mod that did that. I added a mod that sped up transitions between menus because also like you hit tab to go into a menu and it just feels like it takes an hour, you know, and because you have to manage your inventory so fucking much that you're constantly moving it out of menus. So you're telling me that it's purposefully slow. Like it doesn't have to be it's, that slow. It, it doesn't just have to be that slow? Oh, it's just like, it's got a nice, you know, animation and, you know, like. But it's slow, it's, right? Yeah. It's slow as like, because you have to do well, it so much. Yeah. You know? If like you do it a hundred times a, an hour, yeah. it takes Cause it's probably three like, seconds every time. Well, it's you know, probably like half time. a second or something like that, right? Or a second, something like that. Um, but yeah, you're just, but, but you're constantly. 
Yeah, if you're just constantly, constantly doing that, like if you hit tab again, like and you, like you zoom out into bigger views of the map, and also the fucking map nightmare fuel trying to figure out like <laughs> it took me so long to figure out how to interact with that map and like land on a place on purpose you know it's fucking wild but anyway so i did so i did that and then i i bumped so, so after just fighting inventory and having it be the case where i'd go like land i'd go land on a spot on a planet and like be like oh cool there's this huge like thing in the distance and i'd run over there there's like a there's like a hundred pirates in this place and i would like go start walking through this cool like labyrinthing thing and i'm like finding loot and killing bad guys you know but like two steps in, my inventory was covered. You know, yep. so so after dealing with that for the first whatever six hours of gameplay, I was like, "Fuck this!" And I just I just went to the console and I set my inventory to nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. Apparently, it can go really high on PC, but I was like, "I'll just start with that and see how that works." And then all of a sudden, the game loop was now go explore the world, and then. When I'm done with a round of exploration and questing, come back, manage my inventory, sell stuff, you know, craft things, whatever. And all of a sudden I had this like delightfully clean, beautiful loop. That was. So what you're saying is once you gave yourself an infinite inventory, it became crash lands and then it was fun. (laughs) Exactly. It was was fun. (laughs) Yeah. And I also, uh, and I also identified those other things where I was like, okay, jetpack. Like if I don't have a jetpack, it's just hard to get around. And that just is just, just give sucks. me a fucking jetpack. So yes. I also wanted the perk menu and identified a handful of perks that I was like, the fact that I have to spend points into these so that like, cause also the so world, I mean, it's, everything is huge. Like it's, it is like the scale is impressive. Like you land, you're, it's a whole ass planet. Like you look at, you land somewhere that shows you kind of like unknown waypoints in the distance and they're like mm-hmm. a thousand meters away. Right. And so you just like walking are walking over there. Right. And yeah, there's like aliens. You can't fly. Stuff like, you can't fly over there with your fucking spaceship. No. Cause like, if you take off and land, it's a new spawned in random instance. So it's just a different place. So, you, so you're going to um, land on a, a fucking spaceship that can yeah. go to space and travel between planets. And then when you get to the planet, you're like, Oh, there's around. something that is, there's something that's 10 miles away. Yeah. I guess I'll walk. Yeah, and, there's, and there's no vehicles. <laughs> Unfortunately, when you get, once you get to a place, you can fast travel to places in that yeah. same area that you've been to, you know, mm-hmm. but so you can at least get back to things fast, but yeah, but you have to, you have to like, just, there's just so much land traversal and, yeah. and you have this like oxygen meter. That's like, if you sprint just goes down. Right. Or if you're over encumbered really goes down. And it was the same deal. Where I was like, okay. So this is like contrived problem because, because of the spaceship, randomized yep. instance thing they're just like well uh yeah you're gonna have to walk a long way a for lot. literally no reason and now we're also everything's just, just big. yeah so i just so i just this, went in and i just like dumped points i just like made gave myself through the console like fully loaded jetpack fully loaded whatever the status gives you oxygen consumption reduction you know and like and a handful of things like that that were like made it so that and also like dealing with a spaceship's sucked, you know? And I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll just like throw points into piloting because I'm never going to do that. But it sounds so like to me, ship. what it sounds to me, again, like everything you're saying is every it's, aspect of this is annoying as fuck, but yes. I'm still playing. Yeah. Right? And we talked about the power the power of a core I wouldn't be if concept. I wasn't able to hack it. But yeah, that's the big one. So I think it's because yeah. on the nail and whiff it spectrum, this is not even, it's it's like a weird, it's a... Um, that's what I say, it's in the middle somewhere. It's fucking weird. It sounds well, like no, a hard whiff to me. It but. sounds like a whiff, but <laughs> it's, it's a whiff, it's a whiff that can be transmuted if you yourself yes. go do a bunch of stuff to make it not suck, and then it's actually pretty good. Yeah, like here's the problem. Yeah. The problem is, Adam is that you're going to miss the nail the first time. But if you go do a whole bunch of 
research, watch a bunch of videos Mm -hmm. and go learn what to hack to overcome the lame aspects of the game and so on. Then, and then you hit the nail again, then you can hit it. Yeah, but the problem is like you can hack any game, you know? Some of the reads are hackable, to be fair. And yeah. Some of them are some of them are more game. designed to be hackable, but like it's kind of well, like you know, I also like Kerbal, Kerbal Space Program Two, right? Like yeah. uh, to, total total whiff, and I don't mm-hmm. think it has mod support yet. It might, but I don't think it does, right? But then it's like, all right, well, once they add mods, and then and then the community comes in and like starts to make the game good sort of modularly. And then if you as a player come in and buy a, a bad game that you can make good by doing a bunch of like research and work, it's like, to me, that's just a win. Okay. Well, I guess, like, I guess there's two it should, questions. It should be, a, a it should be good at the well, start and you can improve. <laughs> but there's two spots where we could put the nail that whiffed it. Right. Because oh, yeah. one is your actual experience with the game, which can be informed by using mods, using hacks, using mm-hmm. your community engagement experience, like all that kind of stuff. Right. And then the other one is the, actual experience provided by the game right yes and so i th- and i think if we if we break it down that way then it becomes easier because we can say they fucking whiffed it from, <laughs> yeah but, from a but game. by allowing for mods and stuff then yeah. you it can and, and because it of once like, you because of what's there like the raw there is there is potential there like a lot of potential there again the big idea is good it's got a good big yeah. idea in it they right? just whiffed it but then the community comes along and makes it so that i can actually have a Nailed experience, right? Um, yeah. So I did see a game. <laughs> I did see uh, that they had a patch to introduce field of view. Oh yeah, that was the thing so, I was going to say because we we talked about that because we were we were just like laughing about that as an example. But I discovered yep. I discovered why they don't have because you can because they have like they always have the ini file you can go in and just like add settings to you know, and they share the same names as like past Bethesda games. So people already were like, hey, if you just go into your ini file, you can change your field of view by adding these settings, you know. So I did that because it's just nice to be able to see shit. And uh, and then discovered that as I was like walking through, like exploring rooms and doing stuff, that things would just fall off of the wall next to me, right? Because like something about they've tied field of view. To loading to assets s- and stuff. Or no, to, to, to something about like your collision, like bounding box or something. So that as I'm just like, if I'm like walking along a shelf with my field of view set to a higher number... <laughs> It's, it's as if my shoulders what? are like knocking stuff off of the shelf, right? Your peripheral so vision has a so okay, maybe power. So the, maybe it's that your field of view didn't get wider; just you got wider. Thinking, I wonder know. if they yeah, yeah. scaled like <laughs> you that way. Yeah. yeah so 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 once I had that experience, I was like, oh, I see. So there's like there's an actual problem here that they couldn't overcome quickly. Um, and well, they never planned. So they just patched it. They did patch it this last. Yeah, week. I don't know so what they, they did. Could. Yeah, I've, yeah, so I'll have, to, I'll have to try the slider and see what happens. Maybe um, maybe, the, yeah. maybe the slider does something different somehow than the I and I setting. <laughs> so yeah. they're like, no, you don't understand. We wanted to add a field of view slider, but we just did such a bad job at so many other things <laughs> that we, we couldn't do it. And so it's adding field of view breaks the physics, I guess, <laughs> of our game. That's a surprise. So that's, that's a big that's surprise. A, that's yeah. something. And I haven't even got into like the NPC interact. Like they, they talk about each other know, constantly. Man. Crazy. <laughs> Everything you described about this is like every part of this game is is kind of a pain in the kind ass. Kind of a pain in the ass. And it's yeah. like it is why do they do this? Hell. Yeah. Well, this thing is like I want because cause the 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 moment to moment like combat and then like some of the stories and stuff, like the stuff that I love from Bethesda games. Like, because I want it to be good. That's why I'm putting in the effort to yeah, like try to make yeah. it into a good. And I can Everybody, see the potential. Yeah. You know, I can see yeah. how it could be good. 
And and there are a lot of people like who are who are doing the similar thing where they're finding the parts of it that they can turn into that really because there are a lot of people who like love this ship crafting stuff right like I've seen some wild stuff that people have made my own experience with the ship crafting money once I watched a few videos to learn how it worked was holy shit it is hard to build stuff and confusing as hell and like tedious. Yeah, and it's and it's a, it's a whole problem of like interacting in 3D, right? It's like you're building a 3D ship, but it's a 2D interface and trying to get things to go to the right spot. Fucking nightmare. So like, but you know, people like figured it out. They learned the tricks that they can use to make stuff work and 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 I think that's kind of the interesting thing about like games in general, but especially franchises, right? When people want things to be good. Yeah. If they can make it good. Right. And I think that's the huge difference with Bethesda versus other things is that is that they kind of just make janky ass stuff. Right. Uh, But they do it in a way that there's enough potential there that other people can see it and that people can see it. And it's (laughs) moddable. It's moddable out of the gate. And so they just say, hey, if we've given you the sandbox, you know, we've given you a game engine. I'm not saying this is good. No, no, I know. I know. But what, what I find just wild about it is that it is not hard to see. The problems you were talking about. So the thing yeah. I get when there's certain games where it's like you can see like oh it's kind of potential, but in order to fix that, it's like oh my god, there you'd have it's like a redesign, right? Of like the core yep. whole fucking thing. That is not what you're talking about here. What you're talking about here is like very fucking obvious things mm-hmm. that that just why are they bad if it's so easy for everybody to experience them? And then if the reality is that the scale of the fix required is not a full scale, like, oh, yeah, if you just, like, change this aspect of the whole fucking game. No, it's just like, I don't know, give the player a jetpack to start with and don't worry about that fucking one node. Is there one jetpack node in the tree? Yeah. Just give me a different node and give me the fucking <laughs> jetpack. What is the deal? Yeah, or and like, if it's like, oh, well, we, you works. know. Yeah, and if it's like, oh, well, we want players to look forward to it, it's like, give them the jetpack and just give them ways to upgrade it. Yeah, which is also what it is, right? Because, like, there's, like, yeah. four upgrade levels on the jetpack, right? But, yeah, but, so but just I'm give pretty the sure it's if you don't have the first one in there, you just can't use it because, like, you don't know how. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. So, so, again, like, it's not – these are not things that are so deep that moving one around – causes the whole fucking thing to explode, right? It's like – I mean, also because there's, level there's dumb so problem. much game – the fact, like, if they just didn't have over encumbrance, didn't have the oxygen meter mechanic, and just gave you a full on jetpack out of the gate, right? That would reduce your total game time by like 10%, right? In terms of like, yeah, it would just make it easier to get around and do stuff, but not in a way that like somehow makes Listen, the game less. Well, it would the, probably increase your game time because you'd know. It's increasing play my game more. time, definitely. Yeah. Okay, the <laughs> only reason I'm playing is because it was so easy for me to go in and just tweak stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think the thing I find irritating about this is that it's very hard to make a good game design, right? Yeah. We all agree on that. That is, that's the hard part. And so, so when, whenever I play a game that the core design is good and interesting, but there's just this, just this stupid, easy, like a relatively, of course, armchair deaf, but you know, easy, mod layer on top of like just a bunch of dumb shit that for some reason exists that is janking up the experience it makes me very irritated because i'm like it could be you know that it could be a really incredible experience and you also know that this is not a unique thing to you it's not a hard thing to figure out like oh how could you change this there's so many ways to change this no it's very it's put a fucking field of view slider in the game that doesn't make you knock stuff off walls i don't know why that's even happening like give me 
more inventory space in a jetpack. And give like, me a space truck that I can drive around on the planet's surface that has a big old inventory in it so I can like the stuff oh, I so get yeah, out sure. there. sure. It'll speed up my travel and the stuff I get out there, I can load it into my truck. Yeah. You know, like, and then drive it back to my ship. You talk about those like cursed design problems, right? Where you're like, no matter how you solve it, you have to, you're really making a choice between two kinds of play or like it's, you're causing problems for yourself down the road. Like, there's a lot, most game design problems are that sort of thing, right? These are not those. And I think that's what's irritating. It's like, this is low hanging fruit, man. And you just, yep. you just left it to rot on the tree and well, now the tree's and- covered in bugs. And the downside here is like, you know, you can point to the mods and be like, yeah, but mods though, right? Except what about well, like fucking Xbox? Game Pass. That's yeah, the main thing I'm thinking. You're not modding it on, on console. You just you just have what the raw game is. And so if it's kind of like, well, without mods, it's a huge pain in the ass and it's really slow and it sucks and blah, blah. But, but because once you mod it, it's great. Because of crossplay though, then you can mod your save file. Because like when I, when I change my perks and stuff, let's just make it into the save file now, right? Like, so the mod that makes the inventory UI not suck. Like I can't have that on Xbox, right? But I can have the changes I made to my save where I've mm. got the perks that I need and I've got a thousand pounds of storage I can carry, you know, or whatever. Uh, right. So you can have, there enough of it is hackable, you know, that you could tweak that experience and... If, if you, you have, if you have access PC, to a PC, if you have it, if you if have you bought, bought it, it, it for sixty yeah. bucks on PC when it's free on Game Pass, again, like the whole thing is just dumb. Yeah. Like, I'm not it's saying just it's good. Dumb. Yeah, I remain disappointed. That's <laughs> just well, I'm gonna keep chilling. Uh, you know, maybe they'll get some updates out that'll make the base game experience uh, a little better. Well, yeah, because otherwise, okay. otherwise it is like Fallout in space, right? Like you're just running around, shooting stuff, collecting weapons, you know, talking to people. And that aspect of it is still, like, a pretty good time, you know? It's just the trappings just, of the being in space thing and, like, the, all these systems that they had and all this kind of stuff. And then just didn't bother to fix. And the problem is if you're telling me that problems. when you're playing the good part, it's good, but most of it's not good. <laughs> you, gotta to, you gotta figure out how to skip the bad parts, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. With it. It's like, it's just... And it's that, but it's that constant, ever-present reminder that we always end up in, which is inventory management interrupts the actual part of the games of, of games yeah. that are fun, right? And you have you need a reason to make the user banners or inventory before you just fucking have it, you know? Like, and the the idea that like the the standard is to say, well, you can only carry so much stuff, but in a game where you're like build again building starships, right? Where there's all these like limited resources and things, like when you find a resource, like you should get it. Because it's going to be hard to deal with later, right? Except that it has weight, and I got to put it somewhere. And you might not be able to really use it. Like one of the problems I'm dealing with right now is I, I just need adhesive. One of the reagents. I need it for everything. I need it fucking constantly. So every time I see it, I buy it every time, right? But for the first like four hours of gameplay, didn't need it because I couldn't use it for anything yet, right? Mm-hmm. So you just threw it out. So it yeah, I would have. So I was just throwing this stuff out or selling it or whatever. And now all of a sudden, I'm like, God damn it! I got to find somebody who has adhesive, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like flying from planet to planet. Landing on planets, talking to people, just trying to find some tape. (laughs) Yeah, and I wouldn't have had to, or at least as much, you know. If I guess first of all, if I knew that adhesive was important, because there's no way to have known that for the first few hours of gameplay. Uh, But if I didn't start with limited inventory, that was so. Again, like it doesn't match with the gameplay, and I don't know. I think I'm so passionate about inventory management because it is far and away the number one thing that kicks me out of every fucking game I play. Because eventually, the game is just inventory management, and if I wanted to do chores. I'd stop playing video games and go do chores, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's two mechanics the games shouldn't have. Inventory management and mana. But we'll, <laughs> you know, we'll talk about that another time. Because <laughs> that's all the time we have for this week. 
Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Sampa DaCosta, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. And as always, uh, if you haven't yet, head on over to Steam and give Crashlands 2 a wish list. It helps uh, helps get some exposure for the game and keeps it keeps it high in the algorithms on Steam. So it helps us out a lot. So thank you very much. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.